Welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast, the number one track coach focused podcast in the world. From time to time, we like to bring you rebroadcasted value added podcast episodes, some little bonus material, if you will, in between our awesome interviews from coaches around the world. This is just great friends of ours, the Athletics LLC, hosted by Marissa Chu, featuring Mouse Holloway, Chris Huffins, and Charles Ryan. This is a great gang. They operate on YouTube on Friday nights. You got to go be subscribed. We're so blessed that they would let us give you the audio version. So without further ado, Athletics LLC. You are tuned in. To Athletics Double LC yeah, 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 yeah. with Lamar, uh-huh. Lucius, uh-huh. Big League Chew, him yeah. my man Clyde. <laughs> you are about to be schooled in all things track and field. This is experience. Yes, sir. We are talking past, past present, present, future. future. Y'all listen up. Let's go. Good evening, all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy holiday week to everyone. Um, Hope we find you all well, safe, and, and full of cheer for the first round of holiday holiday status. Let's call it that way. As you can see in my background, we're, we got a jump start. So we got the cheer going on already. Uh, Mr. Lamar about to get fat McTurkey is obviously on that bandwagon too with his uh, reindeer, Rudolph specifically going on. Thanks for joining. <laughs> Lucius, welcome to you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Last but not least, Clyde, how are we doing? Good evening, all. Fresh and lined up. I like it. I like it. I was going to see his hair is pretty again. <laughs> oh, man. That, 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 that would indicate that it hasn't been for <laughs> however long, which I would totally disagree with. What's not pretty? That sweater. <laughs> And oh, so it begins. <laughs> oh, goodness. Love it, love it, love it. Well, um, as always, we've had a, a very interesting week. And so um, we are going to talk about some of the obvious. And that's I think that's going to be better off, to be honest with you. Um, so let's start with something fun. Let's start with something uh, that is relatively near and dear to our hearts, per se. Um, you were getting ready to get onto that Thanksgiving dinner table. What is the food that you're most looking forward to seeing and hopefully watching go into your mouth? (laughs) Okay, uh, I think that Mr. About to Get Fat needs to go take this one and lead off for Indeed, for for sure. Hmm. Well, my favorite Thanksgiving food is is a non-traditional one. it's probably one of the few things in my household that is actually completely uh, Lamar centered. Um, everyone loves mac and cheese. Um, I also love seafood. So I, I was blessed, I think the first time six years ago, maybe seven, with uh, a seafood mac and cheese. Um, and it is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's usually the ingredient, the ingredient list. Uh, I know that there's shrimp in it, and I know that there's 
crab in it. I don't know what else is in it, but it tastes amazing. I don't ask too many other questions. I would venture to say there's some mac and cheese in there somewhere. <laughs> I meant besides the mac and cheese, Anthony Lynn. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> just couldn't figure it out. So I was trying to help you out, bro. Okay. Hey. okay. Uh, you know, just get a little. Everybody's always like, how come y'all let Mouse and Chuck like fight like that? How come y'all let Clyde, Clyde and Lucius fight like that? Clyde attacked your sweater, not me. Look, he <laughs> has no taste except the ones in his mouth, so we're good. <laughs> Miss White okay. puts in Dewey sausage in there as well. So thank you. Big leap because I maybe maybe somebody out there wanted to make it and just make sure to get all the ingredients right. You know. You know what? That's a good point. If they want to make it, they should get on uh, Palamity dot com. There you go. There you go. Because uh, because wifey and and her homegirl have an incredible thing going on on PalamityLLC.com. You can learn how to cook all kinds of things. All right. Um, I'll go next. I mean, I I I don't really have one favorite food per se. Like, I I, I love mac and cheese. Um, I love sweet potatoes. Um, I'm a, I'm more of a ham than a turkey guy. And desserts, dessert. You know, it's dessert. You know, it's just, what's your favorite dessert? Oh, uh, you know, like I'm a pound cake guy. Pound cake and ice cream. It's always been interesting. Me. That's always been me. Like I. I don't mind uh, sweet potato pie. Not a pumpkin pie guy at all. Like, yeah, I'm good. Um, but pound cake and a little vanilla ice cream or a nice warm apple pie and some vanilla ice cream. I'm all about that. But honestly, Thanksgiving for me is not, you know, it's about the food. It's about the watching the football games and stuff that, you know, we grew up doing. And I just love the, the time spent with family during that time, you know. That's what's more more important to me than anything else is just being able to be around my family and you know seeing my grandkids and you know my children and stuff like that. So that's what's what Thanksgiving is more important for me. As a uh, as a person that grew up in a very non traditional household, um, Thanksgiving doesn't really rock one way or another on a high list of importance. For most people in my family, my sister's all about it. She she loves the whole spectacle of it. I I, I have eaten pizza on many of uh, uh, Thanksgiving, but <clears throat> having said that, when I am uh, a, you know around traditional Thanksgiving spreads, nine times out of ten, my favorite thing coming out of there ends up being stuffing, regardless of which way it's made. I'm not a chef, so I don't know why the various, you know, ways it's done always seem to work out well. But that's always my my thing. I hate ham. Never eat the ham. And I do like sweet potato anything, but pumpkin pie is amazing. And I have been eating pumpkin pie because it is Thanksgiving time. I've been eating pumpkin pie around here for about a month because all the stores got it and I get at least one of them weekly. So pumpkin pie is dope. If you don't know, I don't know what to tell you, but overall- I know what to tell, I know what to tell you. Thing. Yeah. I know what to tell you. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Mm. I, 
I just bought one of like the 10 inch Costco ones. And like, I have no yes, shame. Costco has, even, has a very good pumpkin pie. Tastes like cardboard. No way. But I, so here's, I have oh, no shame in my oh. game. I don't even cut slices. I just start eating off of it. And I'm like, just eat. It's happened. <laughs> it, it's happened. The, the best pumpkin thing you pie? can do is take your pumpkin pie, microwave it for 20 seconds because a little bit warm is amazing. Mm -hmm. Sprouts, awesome pumpkin pie. You know, and you, and you know, in most cases, um, I would be willing to give you guys a chance. Not this one. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, pumpkin pie is definitely, I'm, I'm it's definitely the JV pie of all. Yeah, pies. absolutely. Yeah. Sweet potato. I love. I like uh, the apple. I like cherry. Sweet potato, like apple. All of that. Um, and, and you know, peach cobbler for sure. Oh, pecan yeah, pie. Cobbler, cobbler. For sure, pecan mm -hmm. pie. Look, yeah, yeah, I like, like Angela, Angela makes a mean pecan pie. Absolutely. Pumpkin pie, pecan pie is, is my yeah. pumpkin, pumpkin pie is a, is a JV starter at best. <laughs> Start me all day on JV. I, I was I was thinking more like like ninth grade, not even JV. Just you know, you got ninth grade JV varsity. I'm thinking ninth grade. You know, we, we layups and all of that. We, we good over here. We good. This is all. Oh no, 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 look, trust me. When when the time comes, if we're all in the same area code, I'm giving you all the pumpkin pie y'all want. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I'll buy you no pumpkin pie. You get no fight for and, me and on you the know pumpkin what? pie. Clyde, I'll get you a pizza, and and I'll even put uh, I'll put uh, pepperoni or not pepperoni. What do you What do you like? Pineapple and ham on no, your pizza? No, no, uh, no, no, no. I'm talking no, no, to no. the one above you. Yeah. I'm talking oh, to Vicky. Oh, 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 no, pineapple and jalapeno. Bomb. Oh the worst indigestion in the world of pineapple and jalapeno. You've got to try it. It's so, so good. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say mean, this. Lucius, to, I made the to, same you, face. Oh my God. I Look. It made my they, stomach. They convinced me to eat it once. It's actually far better than pineapple and ham. That's awful. Yeah, pineapple, pineapple, pineapple and jalapeno. I, I, I've never, I just could never understand the whole pineapple and pizza I, I, did. I, I agree with you, but but I'll say this: the jalapenos help dull down the pi the pineapple, and it's okay. Okay. See, for me, if if I'm if we're all together on Thanksgiving, I'm just celebrating the fact that we're all together. So we mm -hmm. can eat what we want. You know, I'm gonna get each of you your own pumpkin pie. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get you a pizza with jalapenos and pineapple on it, and you know. You know, no, Charles, I, I, you know, I, Clyde's a little bit more finicky eater, I believe. So we'll have to work on that. But you know. I, I'll definitely take some ham. Me and you can we can get a oh, ham absolutely, together. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Honey baby. And see, and see, and I, and I see. I'm gonna go from for you old school folks out there. Hey, back in the day at my house, it wasn't Thanksgiving unless we had chillings. Wasn't uh, Thanksgiving. I'm I'm <laughs> leaving immediately. Not Thanksgiving. Well, see, look, no. hey, look, hey, and again. I was gonna open the door for you because hey, that's just more for me. I'm good. <laughs> Cause look, if my aunt Lib was making chitlins, dog, we, we're there. We're all in. Uh, Lamar, you off that boat? You off that boat, ain't you? Um, I've had chitlins once, and they weren't disgusting. The pro I will say this: you cannot be in the home where no. chitlins are being cleaned. No, that's not a thing. That's the problem. I have done that too, and that's not a thing. That's the problem. That, but once, if, but they're, once if they're put on the plate and you and you, and they're cooked right, and you throw some hot sauce, they're actually they're good. Hot sauce. I'm not ever gonna ask for rice. Ooh, I'm never gonna ask for them. But some but they warm can be eaten. cornbread with the right amount of butter on the cornbread. 
Be still I my love heart. It. <laughs> I love it. This is awesome. Fact, I'm gonna call my eyelids lips when we when we get done. <laughs> See, you can get some FedEx meals. <laughs> I'm the, can you FedEx me some chillers this year, girl? What's up? Oh my god, Lord. <laughs> there are gonna be some people. There are gonna be some people. When they see this episode, they'll be like, I did not know that Lucius was so southern and ghetto. Country. Look, Country. Look, yes, my, there it I is. I make no bones about it. My mother was born and raised in a little town called Bluefield, West Virginia. Right? All of her people are from North Carolina. And my dad was born in a place called Molina, Georgia. Just I me, mean, Molina and Bluefield. Come on, I got to have a little country in me, don't I? <laughs> His, Why his did I sound told, like two two black kids on a on a on a relay? Molina <laughs> and Bluefield. Exactly. You know, and remember when I told you about the 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 song when you were playing baseball? You know, bite like a backhoe. Got a little yes. country boy. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! This show has no. gone off the rails. They're gonna what, love what, this. One. What's next, too? What's next, too? So, so now They're that we're warmed up. Yeah. Now that we're yeah. warm. All right. So, what is your goat status criteria for a track and field? So what do, what do these GOAT athletes have to accomplish strictly within track? Huh. So, so I think that, you know, we, we talked about a little bit before, is, is it one mark? Is it a bunch of marks? Is it the record? Is it medals? I mean, it, there's a lot of things that goes into that conversation, doesn't it? No. I think that's what she's uh, asking. What goes into that? that is, well, I'm, I'm, add, I'm adding so we, everybody knows. So, yeah, so, I, I, so for me, I, I'll jump in this. For, for me, this is. See, I, I this was is trying really to get my. I was give, trying to get my man Clyde because he had to. You know, he gets that look in his eye. you just did it just now. So, go, but go ahead. So, to me, this this <laughs> my my goat criteria for track and field honestly isn't much different um, than it is for any other sport. And my biggest word is always context. So. You have to have won something. Like you can't be the goat if you never stood on top of the mountain. You know, longevity matters. How long can you stand on top of the mountain? Uh, consistency matters. I mean, you know, all of these things come into it. So for me, I've never been a fan of one-sided arguments. I like as much context as possible. And for me, when I'm considering a, a goat of track and field in a particular event. I'm always looking at as many layers as I can to, you know, pick apart differences. Because at the end of the day, if you're talking about, you know, a GOAT status worthy athlete, you're splitting hairs at the top, right? So mm -hmm. how are you going to split those hairs? I think you need as much context as possible. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think the biggest thing with when it comes to the whole GOAT conversa conversation is always, you know, you, you get the, the, the bandwagoners, you know, the people that, you know, the, as I call them, the, the Janet Jackson's, what have you done for me lately crew, you know, like the hot topic person. And, you know, I'm always going to go with the person that's, you know, I, I like dominance. I like consistency. You know, um, I, I, the guy I like to talk about a lot is Michael Johnson. He took on all comers. You know, he took it on, took him on in two different events. That kind of a goat, you know, is the kind of guy, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the Alan Johnsons of the world, you know, the, the Bolts, you know, Carl Lewis, those kind of people, because they lined up against anybody, any place, anywhere, and they got it done. 
They showed up at championships when it mattered the most and they got it done. And I don't think you give people GOAT status just because they simply run fast one time. You know, you'll give somebody GOAT okay. status because they, you know, um, they win a regional title, you know, just to throw that out there, right? You know, so I think for me, it's a body of work. And it's more importantly, it's the male or female who takes on all comers at all levels. You know, at all. Oh, who, who, you, who you beat absolutely is a part of that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, like for, for me, the, a guy that, that nobody talks about much, and I don't know why, is Edwin Moses. Like the guy didn't lose forever, right? And he, it wasn't like he was dodging people. You know, it wasn't like he showed up once a year in race. You know, he just, and that's how you get ghost status. You got up and you beat the crap out of people, right? Um, I, I look, I could be here all day with, with list, just listening to the all two. Um, <laughs> I, I, this is probably one of my favorite topics. Uh, for me, um, it's a lot of what you guys said. I will say this. There's one very, very stern criteria. You have to either have won a gold medal or set a world record. It's what you, you have, like, the starting conversation is that. And then from there, it's a lot of what you guys said. Like, it's not enough to have done one of those things, right? But, but to be in the conversation, you have to have done at least one of those things. Um, in some cases, the conversation might almost start with you had to have done both. But, but for sure to be in the conversation, especially in the sport of track and field, you have to have done one of those two things. And, and then it's, it's a history. Um, you know, it's probably a, a career that spans at least two Olympiads um, with a pretty fair amount of winning in, involved in those eight years at minimum. Um, and, you know, I don't know which one of you mentioned, I think Clyde mentioned it that who you beat matters. I would almost say not only who you beat, but how you beat them. Um, and I say that because part of being a GOAT is having what you do be memorable and iconic. Yeah. You know, Michael ran 1932 and he broke at that time his own world record. Before that, he broke uh, Pietro Menea's world record at, at the trials. But the reason that we all remember the 1932 so vividly is because there was a chance he was going to lose because the last race before the last race before he came back to the games and all that other stuff, the last race over in Europe, he lost to Frankie Fredericks. Right. And Frankie had, you know, and, and Frankie had just run really, really well in the hundred um, and had just been barely beaten out and broken what would have been the, beginning of the season's world record and, and lost to Donovan. So it was like, it was a race. So who he beat and the fashion he beat them was, was a big part of the deal. It was also on U.S. soil. That helped. Because unfortunately, I'm an American. So like, <laughs> we saw it all in real time, a regular time and all that stuff, right? Like, it's tougher to, it's tougher to do an iconic performance and it's on tape delay when you, when you win in Australia. Just is what it is. All, all true. So are, all, are we stepping out? All of it out? comes about. So are, are we stepping out? I know this wasn't in the original part of the question, but are we stepping out and declaring a male and female goat of our sport? Are we doing that? No. <laughs> all right. He passed. I, I, only, reason all right. I say, only reason I say no is, look, I am 
I'll be honest with you. And I think that I think the audience would want, would want to hear this. I think I think the goat show is literally an entire show of a conversation and a battle back and forth about men and a battle back and forth about women. And I think that is an hour. So the only reason why I said no is I, I want to if we're going to talk about who is the greatest athlete male and greatest athlete female of a sport this old and this great, we can't do that in five minutes. That's disrespectful. Fair enough. Fair enough. I imagine someone's going to throw it at the live show, but fair enough. And you know what? Prepare. Maybe we'll tackle it then. Prepare. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Right? Basically, someone say that question. Ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are some ideas that you could share or would share uh, for fellow coaches who have to handle the longer break that comes now with some schools not allowing students to return or student athletes to return after Thanksgiving? Uh, uh, mine's going to be short, so I'll jump in there first. And this would probably be a little bit unpopular. Uh-oh. Honestly, given all the context that is everything that we are dealing with and the various slanted situations that are going on coast to coast, the best, the best advice, advice I can give is, is really simple. Don't worry about indoor, focus on May. Because like the opportunities to compete are gonna be crazy or non-existent for some people. The the, I know some people who have barely been able to train their athletes this fall and have no shot to train them over the next six weeks. I know some people that got to start right when they normally started. Like it's gonna be such a random collection of mess. Our sport ultimately is always defined and remembered by what happens outdoors. Whatever is indoor, whatever indoors is, it is. Focus on May and have everybody ready to run for your outdoor conference championships and make the best out of it. Well, I'm going to go on a totally different angle than that because I think that <laughs> uh, why don't we just set everybody's hair on fire? Um, I think that you have to prepare in some way, if you can, um, to just sit back and go to hell with indoor, I think is a horrible idea because then you're going to be presented with the fact that you have to compete at some level indoors and then you're not going to be totally unprepared and that's where we're injuries and and loss of confidence and stuff will happen so the one thing i'm gonna say to people is just be patient um you know um do what you can i'm always I'm a big proponent of if if i've put four things if i put five things on a sheet to be done in a week if i get three of them done i'm happy you know give them workouts that they can accomplish things that they will try to at least get after um, but again, I think just understand that, um, I don't disagree with Clyde in that it's going to be, you know, very, very interesting. It's going to be very, very, uh, different across the country. You know, uh, there, I, I don't agree that there's going to be a ton of people that, that compete, but there's going to be some people that won't be able to get that done. I do agree with that, um, for various reasons. But at the end of the day, I think that if there is any chance at all that you can compete, that if you're a track and field coach, it is your job to get them as prepared as possible. Um, 
I do think that it's it's a good idea to make sure that um, you can be ready to do well outdoors, but I don't think you can totally trash indoors on your way to do that because I think if you do that, you're going to end up getting yourself in big trouble. But I'd say be patient, um, understand what your athletes can and cannot do based on where they are and what their what their situations are. Um, be very diligent in how you write your training and understand that if you get 6% or more of any of that training done that you hit a home run. And then when they get back on your campus, um, be very, very smart and very, very careful the first week or two you have them back so you don't get them banged up, by the way. And, and to be clear, you use the word patience. That, that's ultimately what I'm speaking about. Like, because it's going to be so chaotic, you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying trash it, like don't compete. You're going to have to compete if you have it on the schedule. What I'm saying is like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stress myself over that part of it because of how chaotic I know it absolutely is going to be. There are some people that will have a full indoor schedule and some people that will have no indoor schedule or one meet. You know what I mean? Like, so for me, if the, if the pinnacle is going to be NCAA outdoor championships, that, that's where I want to be. That's how I'm going to ultimately define whatever success is going to be of this completely random and chaotic season. So Clyde just stole my word, which was patience. He said it. Uh, was my, just said uh, it. I said it. Thank you. He said it. What I think is going to be very important for, for coaches to do ah. is to practice the less is more mentality. While they're away from you, um, I, I think that Lucius's uh, numbers are spot on. You know, give them 10 things to do with the hope and the expectation that they get six of those things done and call that success and be excited that they got that done. And when they get back to you, build just build the season and make, and I think the bigger thing for me is to make it probably more so than any year you ever have before as a coach, do some extra work and individualize as much as you can, because your group of eight or 10 is going to come back in like six different spots. You're going to have one or two that came back and like got eight of the 10 things done and is ready just like normal. And you're going to have one or two that got like two of the things done and are really kind of struggling with the whole COVID piece and you know, borderline depressed and, and just a whole lot of other things. And so you're gonna to have to meet them where they are. And so I, I think it's very, very important when you, when you get your kids back to individualize and really assess where they are and just build, like meet them where they are and build from there. So can everybody be a conference champion? No, not in this year. Can everybody qualify for the national championship indoors? No, not in this year, because the one thing you cannot do, you are making a horrific mistake as a coach and a guider of young people, is if you cut corners to get them there because of your, your own personal or team gains. Like, just build the season. The ones who came back and they, you know, they're three stories tall, build from there. The ones who come back and they're still working on the foundation, build from there. Right. By the time you get to outdoors, theoretically, everybody has a chance. If it's all interrupted, everybody has a chance to be all caught up. But at the end of the day, I just think you have to individualize and build from where the kids are that you get back. Um, because if you if you try to group think like we have 
like you do with most years. Like for sure, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get lost. Somebody's going to feel like you don't care and they're going to opt out. Like all that's going to happen. So if you individualize, you got the best chance of, of making a positive, a positive experience for them and you, and you get a chance to learn some things in a situation where you wouldn't normally. Um, I think this is an opportunity to get a whole lot better as a coach and put a whole lot of things in your toolbox. Just, just my own personal opinion. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, you talk about your toolbox. Don't, don't be afraid to use things you already have in your toolbox and don't be afraid to add to that toolbox. And when it comes to the athlete, um, if you see, if you've got a 24 foot kid that you think can jump 26 feet, give him time to get there. You know, there's this, this is this little word that been running around this world for a long time, red shirt. <laughs> don't be afraid to do it. I think because there's this talk out there, the season is not going to count against them anyway. So why rush and put them out there? You know, if you've got young athletes that haven't been able to learn, that haven't been able to acquire the skills that you're usually able to teach, haven't been able to get the strength levels, you know, Richard, give them the time. You promised them that when you were recruiting them. Give them the time. Nice. You think, what, what do you what do you think the uh, what do you think the possibility is? Because we've all heard that, that is absolutely be a thing indoors. What do you what do you feel like that the outdoor piece of that is a possibility to be that the season doesn't even count regardless? I, I think because they gave them outdoors last year because they everybody's getting that one back. I don't think they're gonna give them two mm -hmm. outdoors. You know, so I think that. They've given them outdoors. They've given them across the country. Now they give them indoors. And now, hey, you got a complete set. Now you you got your dishes, your silverware, and your glasses. Move on, right? No, you got your set. Unless you're a junior college kid, where this whole year doesn't count at hey, all hey, in hey. the in the junior college world, right? But but to that point, right? Well, we don't know whether it's like this is the thing I thought was crazy about that thing. You the NJCAA jumps out on that limb and says this whole year of athletics doesn't count against anybody's eligibility. But the NCAA hasn't said that. Right. And to your point, Lucius, that'll be a really, really untenable situation. Right? Because I like I, I mean, I know several kids that have been in school for three years now that, that it, theoretically are going to go to a four-year school with four years of eligibility left. They are not going to be doctors. And, and, <laughs> and just imagine, like, because I've dealt with this a little bit, imagine working at the uh, eligibility center, right? So are you trying to get kids declared eligible for their sophomore year but last year didn't count or are you trying to get them eligible for this is their what, third what, year after high school the eligibility center has nothing to do with a kid going from juco to four years well not necessarily eligible the, the your compliance people who who have to who have to certify right are you certifying a kid for their sixth semester after high school or their sophomore year of eligibility well, see, or their the freshman the year of eligibility. But the academic piece doesn't change because the academic rule hasn't changed. You still have to have your percentage towards degree requirements. But so that's, that's the crazy change. part, right? But so if you don't have those, you can't come to school anyway. Right. So you're giving these kids extra years of eligibility, but they still got to, they still got, what is it? 25, 40, 60, 75 or whatever it is. Is that right? Right. So like if, if you're now in your third year, you know, where let's say you redshirted and then last year was a COVID year that every got back, everybody got back. Now you're in JUCO and that doesn't count, right? You're going to be going into your seventh semester at a four-year school 
and have to have, what is that, 75% of your eligibility done? But you have four years of eligibility left. Huh? Yep, that math don't work. That's like, as, as my son says, that's math, that's math with letters. Right, see, but here's the thing you, that, that, that nobody is really factoring in here. It's a fail safe. That's all it is. It's just put there to say, okay, look, we gave you this opportunity. They're going to graduate. You're going to have people graduating and still have two or two years left of eligibility. They can't no use doubt. it. They can't use it. Because eventually, why, like we talked about they shouldn't have gave them the years back. Yeah. But, but they had to. Because if they didn't give them back, then somebody was going to sue them. They had to give them back. So here's the thing. Look, I agree, except for the fact, like, look, we've all flown, right? When the airline messes up, they're liable and they give everybody, you know, vouchers and all those things. But when they have acts of God, that's when people are sleeping in the airport, right? That's when they don't have, that's when they don't give out vouchers and all those things. Because unfortunately, like, look, the COVID situation is awful, no doubt. But that really is not the NCAA's issue, right? Because it happened to everybody equally. But they made it their issue. And once they, they made did, it their issue. And once they did, you can't. Go back now. You can't be on both sides. Like you gotta this is get why, all the way in or get all the way out. They're half this, step. This is why I always thought from the beginning it was a bad idea to give them the year back because we knew this was gonna happen. If you give them a year back, you have upset an apple cart that did, like it doesn't work. The system was not meant to have six year and seven year college kids. See, the only only thing to do was last year say, okay, if you know. If you're an underclassman, you can and you haven't registered, you could use that as your your redshirt year outdoors. Fair enough. That's the only way to do it. But like this thing of adding on and adding on and adding on just it just convolutes. It's just not it's not good. Because because it gets as each passing day goes by, we hear more and more about what's gonna happen and what's not gonna happen and what might happen. It just sounds crazier and crazier. You know, it does. And like I said, you know. Just get prepared. You're gonna see some really good teams the next two years. <laughs> so, really oh boy, <laughs> man, yeah. Okay, so keeping in the COVID track—no pun intended—would um, the return of the dual meet schedule change the perception of track and field at the collegiate level? Uh, I have. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, feel free, Clyde. I have a problem. I guess I'm confused about the premise of said question. Change it in what way? Because I don't think there's a universal standing of what the perception of college track and field is one way or the other. If, if, if the question is about will, score, will keeping score at track meets make track meets more interesting to the general public. I personally don't think so. That's just me. However, it, it, I'm wondering if the question is more of a COVID question or more of a question in the sense of, should we be doing this thing anyway? And there's a long before COVID came along, there is a group of people and coaches in our profession that have been pushing that narrative for years well before COVID ever started under the guise of, you know, focusing on scoring points at track meets to make us more relevant to administrators, 
to make what we do more defined. I've heard those arguments. Some of them I agree with, some of them I don't agree with. I do believe that in this time, probably the smartest thing everybody could do would be to compete, you know, compete in duels or three-way meets or quad meets within your conference because it re reduces the travel, because it's easier with the restrictions, because it's easier with the testing guidelines. The flip side to that is you might be by necessity of COVID handing a model that you're gonna get stuck with long-term. Because again, there are a bunch of people who want to see that transition happen. I, I do not agree that such, such a transition is gonna make our sport more appealing to the public. I just, I don't see it that way. And that's what, you know, I have more thoughts, but I'm really more interested on what my colleagues have to say, because I feel like what they're gonna say is gonna spark a conversation one way or the other. Well, first, first thing I'm gonna tell you, this is not a COVID thing at all. It has nothing to do with COVID. The question is, it's not a COVID based question. It's a, it's a really, a question about the appeal of collegiate track and field. Um, being a bit older, um, I do recall the days of the big dual meets where the, the stands were packed, where there were people, there was great interest in those competitions. Um, I think that because track and field in an effort to be relevant and, and for monetary based reasons, started having these huge invitationals and huge meets and charging enormous entry fees. And then now the meets went from a two, two and a half hour deal to a six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hour deal. That's when the fan base went away because nobody wants to sit out there all day. But I do believe that if you have, if you know, if there's a Florida, Florida State dual meet, that's a great meet. The USC, UCLA dual, you know, you, you pick them, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, Cal, Stanford, the big meet, which has always been, you know, I've been hearing about that since I was in, in, in middle school. You know, Absolutely. so I think when you bring if you bring those kind of competitions back and they're meaningful and the fan bases of those schools, like if you have a a meet between Cal and Stanford and both teams are good and competitive and you know their fan bases can all drive to a short distance to come and sit and watch the meet for a couple hours. And I think it does make it more appealing, which is what the base of the question is. Will that these kind of meets make the sport more appealing? Absolutely so especially to the small, the fan bases of those said schools. And then if you then take those events and you put the information out there, you know, if you start putting these kind of meets on your local stations, you know, on the, the live streams and stuff like that, you know, if you've got great teams that get great performances, it definitely makes it more appealing, especially if it's a shorter period of time that you have to watch this great competition. Go ahead, Lamar, um, I don't wanna interrupt. I I, 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 I agree with both of those thought processes. Like I, I, this is definitely not a COVID issue, but like so many other things that have happened in 2020, let's use COVID to drive us, to, to, get, to get us to where we wanted to get to in the first place. That's why track teams are being cut. That's why cross country teams are being cut. That's why budgets are being cut. That's why people are getting fired in athletics, right? Cause it ain't about money. Let's just be completely honest. It ain't about money in COVID. It really isn't. Because there's been more drama that's happened at the richer schools than there has been at the lower level schools. Right? If you're if if you if you can if you can count and balance your budget, you can get through COVID. So 
I think this is about the uh, the agenda about how do we make the sport more more fan friendly and and I will say also being a little bit longer in the tooth um, and having gone to school in the West Coast where where dual meets were a huge thing. I don't think there's any doubt that dual meets are better for the general fan base. The people who don't necessarily love track, but they do love, as as Clyde has said multiple times, America loves ball sports, mainly because they love the score, right? They want to know who won. And I think having four-way meets predominantly the occasional dual meet to Lucius's point that are relevant, like don't force fit them. Like let's not have a Villanova versus Penn state dual meet. That's not a real rivalry and nobody cares. Right. Like make as long, as long as the scored meets are relevant, I think four way regional meets are almost always going to be relevant. And I think that amicable and meaningful dual meets are for sure. Very, very, very relevant. The key, I think, is also to Lucius's point, live stream it, um, package it on ESPN Plus, just like they do baseball games every week, where I can, I, you know, if I got ESPN Plus, I can watch the Florida-Florida State duel. If that gets boring, I can watch the Cal-Stanford duel if it's that week. If that gets boring, I can watch Ohio State-Michigan. Like, I get that, right? That will be a better way to package our sport. But I do think this, the real historical invitationals need not go away right so we can't just be four-way meets and can't just be dual meets right but i think that's the pillar i think that's the pillar from which we need to stand but do i think that florida relays which is like forever old should still happen yes do i think the texas relay should happen pen relays if it can happen um drake relays like the actual large old venerable meaningful Relay meets should happen for sure, for sure. Okay. But, all, but all these pop-up invitationals, nah, I'm good. I don't need to go to the okay. Gamecock Invitational. So, 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 <laughs> shot, shots fired at my, my alma mater, but it's all good. No, so here's the thing. It wasn't even meant. It wasn't I, I even meant like that. Are, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just playing. Listen, I, I, I went to UCLA. I totally understand. Yes, I did. I totally understand the appeal and the pageantry and the rivalry of USC versus UCLA first weekend in May every year. It's dope. It was absolutely the most fun meet every year during the regular season. We all looked forward to it. Totally get that. I currently work at Berkeley. The meet on our schedule that I'm most excited about that's not postseason is head to head with Stanford. Absolutely. I get that. So those meets still exist and exist all over the country in their small pieces that, of the people that have continued to do them. My issue is how are we attaching the word, the very key word here, meaningful. If you tell me that the best thing for the sport moving forward is a dual meet with Stanford and then three or four quad meets within the Pac-12 that are scored, so the Pac-12 fans can pay attention, understand the score, and have more interest in it, and we're going to put it on TV, I'm with all of that. I'm with all of that. I don't need to go to any invitationals except maybe Florida Relays one day and Mount Sac every year. I'm cool with all of that. 
However, we all know and have heard and for years, we know that the word meaningful of the scored meets ain't about the regular season. It's about changing the postseason because the people that advocate for those changes, what they want is a team-based championship, not a performance-based championship. They don't want individual X from small school X to pop up and win the 400 meters at the national championship. No, no, no. They're out there advocating that there are 15 teams at the national championship, pick your 28 best athletes on your roster. And that's what we're looking at on TV. And they would use the scores of these duels and quads to justify who are the ranked teams in the country. That's, that's the end game that this is, that this debate has always been about. And I am fundamentally against that. So if you tell me we're going to go to a dual meet, quad meet, tri meet schedule, but the postseason is going to remain the same where we're going to line up and race to see who goes to nationals. 100%. I think that's the best of both worlds. I think that's the middle passage to success. But if you're going to change the national championship into a team competition, I'm out. Well, the first thing I'm going to say to you is I, I don't know like what you were listening to, because I think that the question was how will it make the sport more appealing to the fan base? This isn't about, some conspiracy theory to take care over the sport and make it a team sport. It's not the question. Um, it's not about trying to do anything other than having competitions that make the sport more appealing to the fan base. That's what the question's about. So, okay, but but there's a, but there's an end. So game I let to you that. talk. No, no, hold on a second. I let you talk. There is no end game to what I'm saying. Maybe in your mind there's an end game because that's what the doom and gloom does. It's, it's, it's an end game. The end game here is simple, okay? The end game is simple is that we're trying to make the sport more appealing to the fan base, okay? And in order to make the sport more appealing to the fan base, make the competitions smaller, make them of higher quality, and make them so that people can come out there and spend two or three hours with their family and not a full day. That's, what, that's, the, that's the, the basis of the conversation. Okay. Nobody's trying to take the sport and change it at the higher level. It's not even part of the conversation. So for me, back to what I said before. Okay. If you have a, if you have a regular season meet, and we, we've seen some of these meets before. I remember going to an indoor meet at Kentucky. It was Kentucky, USC, Texas, Florida, Miami. It, it was like, like seven good teams there. And we just banged away at it. It was, it was an incredible meet. You know, if we had more competitions like that, okay, there, there, it doesn't have to become a team thing because you're seeing the team concept all year long and the competition in the qualifying still the same because back in the day, there wasn't a push. The reason there's a push for team qualifying now is because there's too many big invitationals yep. and you receive the head to head that they want to see. That's all that's about. So if you get back, if you give them that during the regular season, then the, everything will stay the way it is. You don't have to worry about that happening. Because all this is about is a, a getting the fan base to be more involved. That's all it's about. Well, I, I agree with I, I agree with you that the regular season, small meets that take two to three hours against people that your fan base want to see you race is absolutely more interesting. I don't dispute that at all. No one wants, no one out here on the West Coast is really interested about what uh, Cal Berkeley would do performance wise at the Florida Relay. Like, nobody cares, right? 
<laughs> but if the meet is this Saturday, it's us, it, it, it's, uh, it's Cal and Stanford against Arizona and Arizona State, that might be interesting. I'm all with that. You, you like I, I totally understand that. I'm and that's that. and that and that's the basis of the question. You know how okay. do, do meets like that make the sport more appealing? We don't want to change the sport. Nobody wants to change the sport at the top right now. Like, look, these people, people hold on, hold on a second. We're not. Well, I'm not going down that rabbit hole with you. We've talked about this on a previous show. The people out there that want to do it. Look, I did. I did a great job of selling that crap, and you know that's not what I want. I said it publicly. Okay, so stop okay. it. We going down the rabbit hole tonight. Okay. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. I just wanted you to admit that those people do exist. Okay, but okay, yeah, yeah, so okay, but, look, okay but, but the bottom line is that's not what the question is about. We're trying to I make just want to say, <laughs> I just say one thing. I do think, I do think the one tweak I would make to what we do currently by ways of postseason is, I do think that the first round <laughs> regional, whatever word we call it, right. I do think it would be better if there was a score. I, I, I mean, put I a score do. on it. That's fine. And you that's just like, make, score like on literally it. like run the meet the way we run it, but like make a score and have an all regional team. And the only reason I say that is because like they do that in every other sport. You know what I mean? Like the, the, like the only thing I've always found about this particular maturation of, of regionals first round is it's probably the best it's the best regional concept we've had, and we don't score it. Like this would be the easiest one to score. Hey, I'm all look slap. You know what I mean? Like, like you can even hand them a trophy. Relevant. Yeah, slap a score on it. I'm fine with it as long as the score Give a trophy. doesn't affect the advancement. <laughs> Which the original regional did see, do that. See, see, the original, the original regional had, did have that. Yeah, yeah, it had a team score. It did. But it, did, it didn't affect advancement, though. Right. Exactly. And, and, I, and I think that's all I want. I would just like to be a score. I don't want to change the advancement procedure that we currently have. If we're going to stick with what we have, I don't want to change the advancement procedure from what we have. We already had a whole other show about what we think the advancement procedure would be. So I'm not trying to change it to the, in, in today's conversation. Right. I'm saying if this is what we got, I'm good with it. Just let me get a score. I with that. So that nobody goes to a track meet and walks away from a really, really good track meet and says, well, who won? Like, that's always bothered me. I, I get that. I think we've all we've all been frustrated by the question in, a, in the first in the first case. Right. Right. The and then having to explain and then having to explain it to the novice. Like it's it's irritating. I, so I, so I this, it. this this is this is how I explain the regional meet to people. The regional meet is used for to set myself up to win the national championship. So if somebody asks me did I win or lose, I'm like, yeah, I, I I think I did win because I set I gave myself a chance to win in two weeks. That's what I, I've always get, I've always given a, given a very infuriating answer to the questioner. Well, who who won at the regional meet? The top sixteen. Like, what do you mean? Uh, or, or the top 12, I'm sorry. The top 12. What do you mean? Well, the kid that won, finished first through 12, they won. 13th, they right, lost. Yeah. Lost. <laughs> oh. just, just, just to just throw, that's what I do. <laughs> and, and, and again, I mean, to give the, 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 the certain, the, the current system credit, um, it, it does, 
create excitement. It does create drama. Yeah. It does, it's the Cinderella and all that stuff. You know, there are people that don't care for it. But I'm, I'm honestly, if you want me to be totally honest about the way we do things, I think it's the best way possible to get the best people there. Um, I do believe that if you change the system the way it is, it's going to really water down something at the end of it. You know, and I just, I just think there's something special about the fact that I can come in there being the 48th person in the country and on my side of the country and find a way to get in the top 12. There's something special about that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't even have a huge issue with our, with our current regional system. I just would like there to be, look, swimming scores out through 12 places. Hell, I think they score out through 16. So we can figure out a scoring system that goes one through 12, right? Only 12 people from each, from, from each region and everything move forward. Just score it that way. Like the meat wouldn't change at all. Right. Just do it the way it, we do it, right? Now, 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 Lamar, I'd like to ask, because you threw something in there that I, that I found um, pretty interesting. And, and this is, I think, where conversations of changes get kind of lost in the minutia, right? I, we've all agreed that more duels, like you can't have, I don't know, maybe you think you can have a schedule of all duels, but you said, I want to keep the traditional big invitationals, right? Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that, kind, isn't that kind of the issue, though? Like, don't, everybody has an invitational now, and most people would claim that, that their invitational matters at some kind of level, right? So are we saying, like, is it a thing where, okay, your regular season schedule is like this. It's all duels and tries, but and you get one invitational per year. You get you get one invitational a year to, to pick. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, text relay Personally, I, away it, I would love, like, look, and again, being better fiduciarily sound stewards, that would actually make a lot of sense, right? If you live on the West Coast, you predominantly are going to go to Mount Sac. If you live in the Southeast, then you're probably predominantly mm-hmm. going to go to Florida Relays. If you live in the Midwest, you're going to go to Drake. If you live in the Northeast, you're going to go to Penn. Does that mean, so that means that everybody can't go to those things? Like, that's okay. If, there, if your school will let you do that, I guess that's okay too. But really and truly, like, that would make those big, those pieces relevant, but not supersede what's most relevant, which is the end of the year. Right? Yeah. See, the, the big issue here is that no people haven't changed their mindset. See, back in the day when you only, you know, when there was the auto mark and then there was the provisional mark, you had to trace around the country to exactly. find the best places to compete to get said marks. You don't have to do that anymore. You know, so no like when chance. people say, I got to come to Florida Relays, yeah, okay, you can come, but you don't have to come here to get in the top 48. And that's the problem. People still have that same mindset. Or if I don't go to Mount Sac, if I don't go to Stanford and run the 1500, I can't get an NCAs. No, you can't. You know, and the thing, the regional t- system, the regional system lends itself to people who teach their athletes how to compete. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Because yep. chasing a mark and going to California or Florida <laughs> or wherever you want to go to get a good mark in any event is not getting you to the, to the championship. If you cannot line up and compete on the day, then it doesn't matter. Get in the top 48, then get in the top 12, then get in the top eight, and then go bang away from the final. That's what you do. That's that's to that that point about about a whole season of dual meets, 
because I am older, my senior year, we were 11 and 0 in dual meets, and my team actually beat UCLA, Washington State, Texas, um, Washington. I can't think of them all, but we we, were, we had dual meets all over the, all over our region, and basically went again. I think Davis was in there at some point in time, and and we beat everybody, right? <laughs> and look, and then we went to then we went to we went to the Pac-10 championship, and we got third, <laughs> right? And then I look, and then it was like that portion of the team concept of the whole deal, right? That that was the whole team. After that, you were like everybody went home. And the rest of the elite kids stayed and they were what competed post-conference. Right. And, it, and, there, and there I'm was with a, that all the way. Look, doesn't that, doesn't that happen still now though? In that setting. Doesn't that happen now? Okay. Here, okay. Here's my thing. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So COVID or no COVID, right? So is it possible for me to run the Florida relays, go to Florida state running me, go over to North Florida and running me, and have the Tom Jones meet and then go to the conference meet and still get my kids ready for the NCAA meet. Perfect. Absolutely. Sure. And I right. never, sure. I never went further than two hours from this, from this town. Right. And that's the whole problem. I, 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 yeah. And that's where like, okay, financially it would be better for people. Okay. Because my, because my big thing is this, okay. If you want to get on TV, get to the NCAA meet. Do well there. I promise you, you're going to be on TV. If you want to do well, do well at your conference meet. I promise you, you'll be on TV. But I don't feel like you have to run out to Mount Sac or run up to Penn or run up, run anywhere to be in the top 48 in your half of the country. Well, you got to be a better coach than that. Got to be. And and all the co- all the coaches who are listening to this, who are in the Northeast, who are or in the Midwest and the Upper Midwest, who say, well, of course they'll say that because they. They went to school in California. They live in the Southeast and all that other stuff. I'm just going to say it like this, man. If you dominate your area, you're going to be in the top 48 in the country, in, in your half of the country. So if you look, if you stay in the Midwest and never leave the Midwest, you're going to qualify for the regional meet. And if you're good enough, you're going to get out of the regional meet and go to the national meet. You do not have to, if you live someplace cold, you don't have to go someplace hot every week or three times in a year to qualify for the regional meet and then go to nationals. It's just not no, true. And, it's just and that's not what, true. No, I, I agree with you on that. And that's why I think, like I said before, if, you know, some version of you got your one big invitational during the year, like I just, I was just in the swack, right? I'm certain that if the schedule, I'm certain that the swack schedule would be more entertaining to the fans of the swack if instead of going week to week to week to invitationals, it was us against Alabama. It was a uh, Alabama State against Alabama A&M one weekend, and then Alabama State versus uh, you know uh, Texas Southern the next the next weekend. Like that would be more entertaining to the people that care to watch and pay attention to the swag. It would be a building crescendo to the conference championship, which usually is the place where the marks that get you in come from. Anyway, I totally I totally agree with that. My, I, my, I am paranoid about the larger thing, but I'm, I'm with you on all of that. I, I get that. Yeah, you, 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 you can. Your paranoia is not warranted there because that's not that. <laughs> like I, I look, we've all been in those same meetings, Clyde, and I hear you and I understand what you're saying, but at this point in time, 
there's too many people who have sound thought processes who will just never let that happen because that is exclusionary, not inclusionary. No, I understand what you're saying, but it, because it is exclusionary and not inclusionary, it won't fly. Understand this. If it was going to fly, it would have flown already. Facts. That's the thing to understand. I, it would have flown already. And see, like, another thing too COVID is okay. And, 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 and not think, fly. Exactly. Another thing too, even before COVID, it was going to fly because it was more expensive that way. Yes. It's more expensive. All right. Because now, okay, so think about this now. Now you can take your roster of 30 people when you qualify as a team. Now you're taking 30 people to the meet. So you got men and women going to the meet. That means you got 60 people going to the meet. Yeah. No. <laughs> Just not, not the way we're structured, not the way we're made. And at the end of the day, like I said, you know, go, go back and remember – you know, I don't know if you were in the league when we used to have the SEC quad meets. You know. Yes, absolutely. And they were they were dope. They were. They they were phenomenal. They were dope. Every time you went yeah. to one of those meets, something big came out of it. And I think that, you know, that's what this question is lending to. Like what happened to those competitions, the duels, the tries, the quads, the people could come out and be there for two or three hours and go home. You know, that makes the sport more appealing. And you get exciting, you know, competition out of that. People are going to come back. Well, wow, you know, did you hear last year this happened at this meet? They'll come back. You know, you've been, you've been to the Florida Relays. There, there's, a certain, there's a certain part of time when the stands are packed and then slowly it dwindles away. And then the sun goes down, there's four by four time and everybody shows back up, right? <laughs> Absolutely. This is very true. That's funny. Well, great insight. And I know, uh, I'm sure some Midwest Northeast coaches are are shaking their heads at you right now, but there's it, there's sound reasoning. They you always have to be open to the change and the, and not just embody whatever everything that's been happening should keep happening. And, 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 to, and to that point, big league, I think you know nobody's saying they can't come. Mm -hmm. It's just not necessary. To, you know exactly. They don't have to come down here every weekend, is what yeah. what Get Fat said. You know he, he right. his point was that you know you can come. <laughs> Just don't feel like you have to come every weekend. And right. also, you know, I grew up in Ohio. You know, once it gets to be April, you can run outside. You know, that's not a problem. You know, you I mean, I, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll share this as an example because people always think it's, it's real easy when you live in warm places, right? Um, you, two of you have lived in the Bay Area for the vast majority of your life. So you know that when I say this, that there's no hyperbole. January, February, March, and, and three quarters of April, it could rain every week. It could literally be sunny Monday through Thursday and rain on the weekend, every single weekend, right? So when I was, when I was the head coach at the University of California, I took my team to Florida Relays. This is a can't miss proposition. I got California kids, I'm taking them to Florida Relays. We wasted $27,000 because it's the only time in his tenure, the meet had to be canceled. We ran for one day. And, Monsoon and sideways rain. And then when the rain stopped, it wouldn't stop lightning. I mean, like literally it was like the sun was out and it was lightning. It was the craziest thing ever. I, I saw a lady I thought for sure was gonna die. She had an arm full of, tw <laughs> no, he, he remembers this. This lady had 20 javelins in her hand. She was walking across the infield at the University of Florida in ankle high water during a lightning storm that's horrible <laughs> she's literally carrying lightning rods in her hand 
In water. And so we, we went over and we ran over to help her. So, you know, like we, were, we, we weren't much smarter than she was, but we just both had this thing of she's going to get struck by lightning. It's just in-person final destination. The head coach destination. of Florida and the head coach of Cal come running out of nowhere. It's, it's coming down sideways. Yeah. And we go grab javelins from her and take them wherever she was planning on going, which I think over was the... the yeah, the, the shed. The, call it. Shit. the yeah, shed. The shed. That, that 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 would have been a hashtag Florida moment, if anything. Not the university, <laughs> the state. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> and so I, I share that story just to say, like, look, look, there's bad weather everywhere. Yeah. You know, I coached at the University of Oklahoma. I was we were in a track meet. It was 83 degrees and 71 mile an hour winds. I mean, it's not a track meet either. No. Right, I'm watching javelins go down the middle of the sector and then get blown 10, 10 meters out of sector. So at the end of the day, like, look, we all deal with it. We all deal with crazy weather and, and it's an outdoor sport and it's the nature of it. And, and the beauty of it is it's got to be in top 48. And then everybody right. has the same weather or then we can, and then that's again, goes back to what Clyde loves about the regional. It gives the little guy a chance. I mean, let's be honest. Most of the kids in the top 48 were going to be in the top 48 the day they signed their letters of intent, no matter what school they're at. Most, most. not all, most. Most. Good insight. Yeah. <laughs> it's, def it's definitely most. We got not some wild cards in there. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for the insight because I think that's with our given times right now, the current situations and the climates, uh, those are all things to think about, you know, and hopefully these regional conferences and the schools who are maybe in, intermixing their conferences that are regional to each other, contemplate these things and talk it all out, so. I will say this to, to Big League, if people will embrace this concept, you people out there that have flat tracks, look at the indexing, Get three or four good schools in your building and go at it. You'll be surprised. Mm -hmm. yeah. Gonna upset the apple cart. Yep. They'll become so, relevant. Yeah. Is that? So, yeah. Whew. Whew. All right. Well, let's take our business hats off and, and have a little fun. Um, Mr. Lucius, the seat warmer has been on all night. Oh, glasses off for this. <laughs> this one's harder. It, it gets harder when the holiday comes. I gotta be really sensitive to the holiday. <laughs> Look, how, how to do it? Well done. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So, are you ready, sir? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. All righty. Chicago PD or SVU? SVU. Got it. Um, in the house, socks or bare feet? Bare feet. Love it. Um, family dinner, is it a big dinner table or everyone's in front of the TV? Or gathered, I shouldn't say in front of the TV, gathered. Oh no, it, we're at the table. It's, Got it. TV's not even allowed to be on, so. <laughs> that's my, that's what I, that's my house. We're at um, the table. <laughs> right, exactly. No elbows and linens around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See, but Clyde, I didn't grow up in that. Clyde, I was at out on the couch with the dinner tray, a TV tray, we called it a TV tray, mm -hmm. watching whatever it was. Um, 
you're flying somewhere. Are you flying private or on a charter or a commercial flight? Say <laughs> it again now. Uh, you're flying somewhere, any given destination. Are you flying private or a charter or on a commercial flight? A private or charter? <laughs> I love it. Wait, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Let's go. We're gonna go. We gotta go first class. Come on. <laughs> Um, your next vacation spot will be? Uh, if, if, so, if someone has their way, it will either be Hawaii or Alaska. Or, or maybe Africa, yeah. Oh, yeah. whoa, that, that's, a, that's a spectrum. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, there, there's just certain times in my life where I just listen for my name, you know. <laughs> Swipe where? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, your favorite indoor facility anywhere in the world? For track, I should be specific, sorry. Arkansas. Love it. Are you rocking with an electric or a manual toothbrush? Manual. Got it. And that's it. <laughs> I'm ending on the toothbrush for learning about your hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Manual for me every time. The electric doesn't. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm Weird. Good. I love my electric toothbrush. <laughs> Anyhow, all right. So rounding out this episode, as always, we will give some love to our heartbeat props, uh, where we just lift up some names, lift some people, some groups that have helped us be the people that we are today, where we are today. So do we have anyone who is breaking out their pants, stretching the seams to talk about someone or some people especially? Especially, uh, not not for that reason, but I'll I'll go first. <laughs> um, honestly, my 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 heartbeat props uh, for this week. We we are up against Thanksgiving, and in many cases across the country, that is going to mean the the end of fall training for a lot of people. Um, some people may get that extra space after Thanksgiving to come back, but this has been a really trying trying year in, a, in an awkward fall. So for me, honestly, my heartbeat props go out, you know, to the industry, um, to all the athletes and to the coaches who have found a way to navigate this thing and, and get something out of their kids this fall. I know that on, that on my campus, I've been very proud of, of the kids that, that have been here and the work that they've put in. They've been focused, they've been attention to detail, they've been dialed in and they worked their asses off. So, you know, sprint crew at, at UC Berkeley, sprint hurdle crew, I'm very proud of the work that you guys have put in and I'm excited about, you know, what semester, what next semester is gonna look like and keep grinding. And for everybody out there that has got through this, um, you know, relatively unscathed, I, hats off to you because we all know it has been uh, chaos at its finest. I'll go next because Ironically, that is actually who I am lifting up as well. Um, the all infamous choose crew over in Indianapolis. Uh, they have fought the fight since September 4th. And, uh, you know, we've got some interesting adversities that we, we face day in and day out outside of just weather, <laughs> weather and, and whatever, what other whatever other indicators COVID might give us at this point in time on any given day. Um, they've shown up, they've showed out. They've trained their butts off. You know, we, uh, we've seen some gains in meters and centimeters, dropping seconds, uh, putting up weight, 
even getting in our body measurements for the bod pod and whatnot. Uh, they've really stuck to their guns and done their job on and off the track. You know, academically, they've done their job. Athletically, they've done their job. And socially, they've done their job. They've remained healthy. And that was the one thing that I asked them to do, stay healthy, whatever that means. Make good decisions. Everyone's heard me say that, make a good decision. Um, so this week, I lift up Choose Crew. Thanks for rocking it and keep fighting. Okay, I'll go uh, next. Okay. Unless you, unless you want to, you can go if you want. Well, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to give my heartbeat props to, to, tonight to a guy that's, uh, he's been a, a, not just a good friend, but a very valued friend for, man, quite some time now, for over 25 years. Um, I first met him when I was a high school coach, uh, Buell's High School, and um, he was an athletic trainer at the university, and he would see my kids on the track, and he would say something like, hey, meet me behind the stands, and he would adjust them or tape their ankle or something like that for me and show me what was wrong. And, you know, uh, he when, when I got the job at Florida, you know, he, he and I had a lot of long talks about the vision that, you know, the things that we thought could happen here. And um, he ended up being one of the groomsmen in my wedding. He's still to this day a very valued friend that I could pick up the phone and have, you know, any kind of conversation with. Um, but the big thing I loved about him was is that he never let off the gas. He, he pushed me every day. When I was successful, he would ask me how we could do better. When we failed, he'd ask me how we could do better. And even when he left and went, got out of the track and went to the football world, he would still call me and challenge me. So my heartbeat props go out to one Mr. Adrian Melendez, who was uh, an athletic trainer here um, at the University of Florida when I first got here. I like it. Um, <laughs> my heartbeat props is kind of interesting, uh, at least to me. Um, my heartbeat props goes out to to these four tiles, um, and not from a personal perspective. Not because you guys have like done such wonderful things in my life, and this is literally one of the best things in my life. That is all true, but my heartbeat props go to this group because of all the feedback I get. All the feedback I get about this show centers around the fact that we have become uh, the calm within the storm for so many people. I know so many people who, they're like my LLC friends, right? <laughs> they, I, have, I have friends that text me during the episode that they're watching on Fridays like just intermittently throughout the episode as they're watching it. I always have to like remember which episode they're talking about, but <laughs> right, but I lock in. And then I have so many other people, friends and non-friends, people that I've met who, who say that this is the one good thing about 2020. Like every Friday, they look forward to, to this and it creates conversation and positivity and a smile for them on Friday or some people watch, watch on Saturday morning, like that's their thing. Um, and, and all of that, you know, and all of that that goes with it. Um, yeah, my battery was dying. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> you know, technology is 2020. Is. <laughs> right. Um, you know, my device wanted to tell me that the battery was dying. Thank you. 
Um, but, you know, like not trying to be kind of patting ourselves on the back, but I will say this, like, I, I think it's awesome that, that this show that means so much to us seems to mean so much to so many other people. And for that, I will say to everybody who watches and listens and, and whatever, um, because a great number of people don't watch, they listen on, to the rebroadcast, which I think is interesting. But um, I'll say to all of you, we are, we are committed to this. Uh, we, we joke about all the things that we go through to make sure it gets filmed every week but we're trying to be like the SVU of internet shows, right? You know, 22 seasons. 22 seasons. <laughs> um, you know, like, look, I think a lot of people thought we were going to stop when, when we went back to work. And that's just not a thing. You know, we, I think all four of us have traveled at some, at some point. Um, Chu has not traveled and had to film from said travel. She has just relocated. <laughs> yeah, I traveled the house. <laughs> but uh, you know, like look, we love we love all you guys. We hope that Thanksgiving goes absolutely great. 2020 will end, I promise. Um, but I will I do know this. The LLC crew will we will be standing, God willing, in 21 and 22. And, and until it's time for us to actually put it down, I think this is gonna be what we do. Um, so my heartbeat props go to all of our fan base that that feels as if we help them. Uh, we love you and uh, we will keep grinding out every week. Amen. We are going to have to decide how we're going to do this in seasons. I guess well, that's the conversation. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I still think that we, we, we got it right. We have the right the right day to record. And having it come out on Fridays is, is absolutely ideal in a track season because that's when people are on buses or on travel and they can watch. Or they come home from the Friday portion of a Friday-Saturday meet, you know, post-dinner, sit and chill and watch LLC. If we ever get to travel. If we <laughs> Sorry, ever get, I look, buzz killed take, that one. Sorry. Don't take, go down take, the take rabbit it, hole too. Exit Here's what I'm gonna tell y'all. Take it from someone who has been traveling through all this. It's overrated. Oh, okay. This, as the good book says, this too shall pass. Yes. For sure. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, pass. gents, it's been a pleasure as always, and and as Lamar is highlighting, you know, uh, we are getting comments. I can see it if you look on our YouTube page and our our channel and whatnot. Um, people are commenting while they're watching and, th and that's very uplifting because they can't hold it in. <laughs> they got, they got to let us know. And so, um, but before you go, yes. Lamar, a couple of things, got to get off of Indiana. You said they're going to get curb stomped and they didn't. So you need to apologize to Indiana football. <laughs> that's, that, that's true. He said that. Right? I did. And you know what? Congratulations to y'all. You played Ohio State very well and the the quote you're looking for was what was attributed to mr bum phillips in regards to uh yeah that guy <laughs> come on come on how the, the, the player swapping you can do it players houndstooth hat real long bear bryant. Nose. Bear regards bryant. to bear bryant yes 
That's oh, got to be correcting myself next week, right? <laughs> what was it? What was the quote? He can take his in and beat Yorin, and he can and, take Yorin and beat his in, and, 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 and he can take his in and beat Yorin, and then turn around and take Yorin and beat his in. So, yeah. yes, keep them coming, keep them coming, because we are not perfect. So, with all that said and done, thank you so much for your time, your patience, and your attention, uh, gentlemen. Have a great week. I hope you all get stuffed and and pass out. Get fat, baby. <laughs> Loving it. It's gonna happen. Loving it, right? Whatever your turkey trot looks like this year, may your turkey trot be warm and, and not so painful. So <laughs> other than that, have a great holiday week and we will see you again soon. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. When the lights come on, the roaches get to running. When the lights come on, the opponents smash the plumbing. Would you like it warm, hot, knife the butter? Truth pin them hard, knock them off, that rebuttal. Tsunami, tidal wave to your puddle. Tough love, punch you in the arms, little brothers. Athletics double, I'll see it, there's no others. Track the field's pace and repeal to go further. Hey, Wally, Coyote, it's Roadrunners. Feels like you know us, you've been with us the whole summer. If not for this quarantine, these four corners wouldn't be here, but we're here, so start learning. You gotta earn your stripes, gotta get your scars. Show you how to fight, but show us who you are. You lack experience, but still you wanna talk. And who is actually talking to your circle's kinda small. Heads prevail when the backbone's strong. Gotta keep it coming, no, won't last long. Pass a fail, then sell the sad song. And if you don't check yourself, then that's wrong. Just trying to give you the real that you asked for. So why you keep cutting us off to ask more? We put it in slow mode, but you fast forward. Athletics, devil, I'll see the task force.